0: to another episode of Rising Tide. The purpose of Rising Tide is to educate, heal, and empower by bringing on the world's most brilliant minds and purest souls. We have an extraordinary Rising Tide today, Brother Dana Harris. Uh, he is... You go by math guru, young guru, uh, What exactly? Uh?
1: You know, people say the math guru. People say whatever you feel at the time, man, because I think... An educator look people say what do you do i'm an educator facts that's what and a I, real what
0: educator at that i was on instagram when i came across uh brother's page and as i was looking at it originally said uh math tutor uh and then when i started scrolling down and looking at the videos and looked at the level of math in which he was doing and you know i watched the whole video uh so how simple he made it. I was very impressed because it seemed like not only could an adult grasp these concepts, but also younger people. Uh, So without further ado, I wanna actually let him get the chance to actually introduce himself, who he is and what he does, and then we'll uh, build from there.
1: Well, uh, first of all, Chris, man, I appreciate you uh, for inviting me just to to be here on the Rising Tide. First of all, I I love just the name of the Rising Tide because that's that's what we want to do uh especially in this day and time. My name is Dana Harris. Um I I my title is the Chief Academic Officer of Young Gurus Math Tutoring. Um but basically what I am is I'm an educator by day as well as an educator by night, man. I I I have a uh, so my full-time day job is I'm a middle school math teacher right now. I've been teaching uh, now 16 years and uh, I started doing math tutoring about 13 years ago. And about five years ago, I transitioned, transitioned to tutoring online. And uh, so I've been tutoring online for for probably four years, doing all my clientele on, online for four years now, man. So So that's that's what I do. I'm just in 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 a nutshell. I tell people I just hustle mathematics.
0: Yeah, no, I love that hustling mathematics. That's a beautiful phrase, bro. You should actually brand that and get like t-shirts and all the other stuff like that because that hustle mathematics that I got a ring to it.
1: (laughs) So yeah, I I might have to take you up on that idea. (laughs) That got a rig to it, bro.
0: So with this uh, tutoring online, is it that they go to your website and can get tutoring, or is it like a login thing and it got all these pre-recorded different topics? So if I'm struggling in algebra, I can just click on that and it's all the different pre-recorded videos for that. Or is it more live sessions? Or how uh, does your tutoring operate?
1: So it's, it's two aspects of it. So um, on the on one side of it, the actual business side, uh, I have clients that find me through social media. Instagram, uh, Facebook, as well as my actual website, www.younggurusmathtutoring.com, and they'll reach out to me those ways. But then uh, for people that reach out to me that way and they become official clients, we pretty much go through a consultation process, see what's the need of that client, whether it's an adult client or a, um, a younger client. And then once we get the tutoring session started, we do it all on Zoom. And basically, everybody pretty much knows what Zoom does now. Um, And so we we do it right on Zoom. Now on the other side of things, I have a lot of people that follow me uh, and and look towards my content. I've been fortunate and blessed that teachers use my content and things like that. And what that is, is my YouTube channel. Um, There was a student, Back in 2016, his name was Joshua Byes, and he was a senior. And one day, I just tried out one day. I, I, My group of kids were, they were seniors. And and so a lot of them were struggling with the high level of mathematics because they needed this fourth math to gra- graduate. And so one day, I just tried it out. I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to record a video, upload it to YouTube. I had a YouTube channel for a couple years before that. And i said i'm a since we had one-to-one chromebooks in the class and i said i'm gonna give them this video in class to teach the lesson and then give them their assignment that i want them to work on and while they're watching the videos and working on the lesson i can walk around and just facilitate the lesson so that day the response was phenomenal from my students man they were like you know mr harris we like that can we do that more often And they were seniors. So for them, it was kind of like, look, do we have to sit here and listen to you teach and this and that and go through the motions? Uh, Because you got kids in a classroom that are at different levels. But long story less long, um, that was the beginning of my YouTube channel. Now I have over 200 math videos on YouTube. Um, They're broken down into different playlists. Uh, there's an elementary playlist, a middle school playlist, a high school playlist, and then there's different playlists about uh, different topics, some dealing with triangles, some dealing with functions, some dealing with polynomials, and a bunch of the different math topics. They, I still can do a lot more breaking down of those playlists, uh, but yeah, people can just go right there to the YouTube channel and click and, and get a quick lesson.
0: Man, that's uh, beautiful, bro, that you give all that free game out because, well, I would have thought, man, you people got to go to your website, get a little login and all that, a monthly subscription to have access to all that little dope content. Maybe that's coming in the future, uh, but I definitely see that the value that you add, that's something that I could see a lot of people not mind paying a monthly subscription for that type of uh, information, especially parents paying it to get their kid access because, like you said, students – are more receptive to videos and all that. And sometimes just somebody standing in front of the class, just trying to lecture them and all that can be, uh, I guess, distracting or disinteresting to them. So I'm glad that you found a way to actually connect with them. Now, what I want to ask you is what have been some strategies that you've used to actually make math, I guess, relatable to kids or make it to the point where they find it interesting or get over the hurdle of identifying i'm not a math student so i can't learn all this what have been some of the ways that you've learned to work around that
1: i tell people all the time man my everything that i build on uh is relationship um and so i've taught on my job i've taught everything from sixth grade through 12th grade adult high school and and i've tutored all grade levels man uh including college and things like that and the relationship is is the key because people it's harder to learn from people that you don't relate to or that you don't like you know what I'm saying i remember when i was in school my mother told me all the time you don't you ain't got to like them you need them they don't need you and so that was that mentality However, we also talk about I'm 38 years old. We talk about in a generation where we didn't have access to technology. I got my first cell phone when I was a freshman in college. You know what I'm saying? I take pride in knowing that I had a a a pager when I was in high school and I had to stop and hit the hit the payphone to call back. But number one is relationships. Uh number two, man, I talk to them like they they talk. I'm from East Oakland. You know what I'm saying? And and so that's how i talk to the kids i i a lot of times i was just working with the client this morning and and picture this right so imagine me and you take a trip to um let's say we take a trip to japan right and people are speaking uh mandarin or japanese and we haven't studied before we just decided look we're gonna take this trip whatever whatever we're gonna fly by the seat of our pants over there so people are speaking their language over there we have no exposure to their language right so it's very difficult for us to understand what they're talking about you see what i'm saying now if we start showing pictures of different things in in whatever city we're in that we want to get to and we you know we don't know japanese but we say and little is what we can to to make out symbols or to make out that communication piece. Then they can say, "Oh," and they we never know. They might even know a little bit of English. They might have some broken English. But now there's ways to communicate, and it's the same thing with teaching math. Math is a language, man. And I like the fact that you said a lot of people think I'm a math person or I'm not, and that's far so far from the truth. I always tell people when in the creation factory there wasn't. This side we're gonna put all the math people. That side we're gonna put the non-math people. So, so when you when you build that uh, that bridge to be able to communicate with them, so I'll go in there and I'll start start, start talking about monomials and binomials and trinomials and and factoring and coefficients and and uh, finding uh, square roots and and uh, all kinds of things a lot of this sounds like a foreign language to kids so what i like to do is i'll talk to them in the mathematical terminology and then i break it down in ebonics i say okay so what that really means is really all you're trying to do is find out where this graph touched this line right here and you do that by doing this mm. so, it's, it's, so communication is everything man and, and so i just talk their language
0: no, facts. What have been some of the main challenges that you feel that cause people to believe I'm either a math person or I'm not a math person in your experience?
1: It's around. When do they it.
0: start to develop that idea.
1: It's it's around them. Uh, so so we have this concept of new math, and so for parents, a lot of times parents that are, I would say, if you're if you're a parent and you're over 30 most likely you consider math in elementary school now new math when like when common core came in they started this concept of new math and that's what people labeled it so the parents if i'm at home and i'm trying to work with my son and i totally like the math that he's working on i say oh well you just do this and this and this and he says No, my teacher said, that's not how you do it. I'm going to get ticked off. And I'm going to get frustrated continuing to hear that message. That's that's if I even try to help them. Because there's a whole other group of people that just says, oh, I hate math. I couldn't stand math. I, I stopped doing math once they started putting letters in it. And so when the kids hear that, the kids start to think, oh, well, Maybe I'm not a math person because my dad's not a math person. My mom's not a math person. Man, my uncle, my aunt, the people around them in their world day to day, if they're hearing these messages that I'm not a math person, I hate math, all these negative connotations associated with math, then the kids will start to own that because we become a product of our environment a lot of times.
0: So what would you suggest a parent who might have, unconsciously. And of course, parents, we ain't saying that you're intentionally doing this or putting these ideas in kids. Uh, We understand that most of this is unconscious behavior, but nonetheless, whether it's conscious or unconscious, it's still there. So we have to figure out what to do to deal with it. So what would be some suggestions that you would do or that you've seen work in reversing that type of programming in a kid?
1: I think number one, uh, it's, 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 it's all in the mindset. Like you said it all, it's all in the mindset. So we, we have to learn how to deliver growth mindset messages to kids. One of the best things that we can do is think about it. So many times we have this tendency to say, Oh, oh DJ, you're so smart. My child is so smart. My nephew, my niece, they're so smart. But if we praise them for their work versus their being smart, that's gonna help. Because the thing is, is when a kid has been told that they're smart so much and they think that they're smart, and I keep putting the air quotes up because that's that's pretty much what it is. It's it's it's, it's situational. It's it's now when so let's say you have a kid that's in the seventh grade, right? And all these years, they've done very, very well in math. So they think, hey, I'm smart. I get good grades. I'm smart. Because that's a lot of times what people equate smart to. So then now they get to seventh grade and they start struggling in math. Now they start to second guess them them being smart. So if we if we're now, if we have established this pattern of praising them for their hard work, then now they're not going to be afraid to make mistakes. I tell people all the time, I've been doing this for so many years. I tell my students, I say, I have forgotten more math than you've ever learned. And I'm not bragging. That's really what has happened. I say, but you got to understand, I still make mistakes. We're going to make mistakes with this. But the, the biggest thing that's going to help change that mindset is the, the, the work ethic, like not to give up. To understand that you're gonna make mistakes, but continue to push through it. I think I think that is the biggest thing. And another thing is 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 understanding how to use the resources around them. So many of us have these little cell phones, and it's a computer. It's a computer. It's a calculator. It's everything. So one of the things that we can do for kids is get kids to learn how to use their technology, and um to their advantage. So right now, a lot of people are doing distance learning. So if you're struggling with something, help the kids go and, and find a lesson. That That's one of the things that, that encourages me to keep doing YouTube videos because sometimes you've got a kid out there that they see somebody who look like they uncle or the people in their neighborhood teaching math. It's like, oh, shoot, let me watch it. Let me see what he's talking about. You see what I'm saying? Uh, so, So use the technology around them to help be a tool. And then the most important thing, I think, man, is to ask better questions. Ask better questions. Because kids, a lot of times, at home and in the classroom, there's this, I don't get it. I tell people all the time I can't measure effort. Like I, I can't measure if I ask you if I put a, pro, a math problem on the board right here and I say, Chris, solve this problem for me. I can't see the bubbles above your head of what you're thinking. So if you have the same look that you have right now, I don't know whether you're. Pro, I don't know what you're doing. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. I think that when we ask better questions, if you have a kid that says, like, it's a rule in my classroom, you can't say. Like, you have to ask me a question. And they get mad at me a lot of times. I'm like, ask a question. Mr. Harris, I don't understand number five. Mr. Harris, I don't get number five. Uh, Mr. Harris, I need help. Ask me a question. And they get so frustrated. But over time, we build that culture of asking better questions. Because I have, I have, I have this idea that the question, the answer is always inside the question. And a lot of times when kids start asking better questions, they realize, oh, as they verbalize it, you know what I'm saying? And I tell them, I say, you all are asking questions all the time. When you Google and stuff, when y'all say Google it, you're asking questions. You just don't always put it in question form.
0: No, that's facts. That's facts. And even like asking better questions, I feel like that can help and just life in general not even just when it comes to just math because a lot of times like let's just say a person wants to start a business and it costs maybe five thousand dollars to invest and maybe they only have you know a thousand dollars so most people would just be like oh i can't do it as opposed to being like well how can i do
1: this that's key what
0: can i do to put myself in a position where i can do it i know i may not be able to do it today but what can i do So maybe I can do it next month or next week, or possibly if the thing is too big next year, as opposed to just like, oh, I can't do it at all just because of my circumstances right now. So I think that's powerful. Another powerful thing that you said as far as embracing failure, that's something I think that a lot of the lessons that you were referring to, to me, transcends math and just goes into like everyday life skills because embracing failure, not being afraid to make a mistake, I think that'll help them in business. That'll help them in relationships. uh, That'll help them in just being able to communicate just what they're feeling, what they're dealing with. Because a lot of times we keep that stuff in because we feel like we're not supposed to say nothing or we are afraid of people knowing, you know, the situation we might be in because it's a mistake or whatever it is. So. I think a lot of the lessons or values that you're instilling in these kids will actually go way beyond the classroom. So I definitely want to big you up on that. And I'm curious as to where your desire for math came about and how you actually got into the line of work that you've just been in.
1: Man, man. So first of all, thank you. Uh, And and I tell people all the time, I I teach life lessons, but the kids just might happen to learn some math while they're in my class. Um, (laughs) My story started back um, East Oakland. My grandfather was one of 17 children, 13 survived. And and my grandfather was a retired military. We had a shed behind the house. And I was probably about three years old, but he was teaching my two older brothers and my youngest uncle their times tables in the shed. He had this large green chalkboard, man. And at the time I was just in, in daycare. So it was when I would go out there Uh, He would say, Dana, uh, you know, you stand at the door and guard the door. So I would stand on my little milk crate like I was a boss. And whenever someone would come knock on the door to the shed, now that I think about it, when I got older, like nobody was coming to knock on the door to the (laughs) shed, most likely. But he just gave me a job. Um, And so my grandfather, I didn't realize I was soaking that in. My grandfather was very, very big on education, man. And so... Uh, years later so my mother was in the military so we we left Oakland uh and we we traveled a lot we moved around a lot and probably my first real the first time I really realized that I really enjoyed math and and that I was really gifted at it was when I walked into we moved to North Carolina when I was in the eighth grade and I walked in I heard the counselor say well we can't put him in in the algebra class because he hasn't taken pre-algebra. And I was like, huh, okay. So I walk into pre-algebra class, and the first day the teacher says, everybody grab a calculator. And I was like, whoa, I've never been able to use a calculator in the classroom. And and my mom definitely wouldn't let me use one at home. This is weird. So got through that year, sophomore year high school took geometry and my the first day I was clowning around, man. And Ms. Williams says, uh, Mr. Harris, come sit right here. And I'm still clowning around. I'm like, man, you know, they say if you sit at the front of the class, you get an A. Am I gonna get an A? She said, I don't know. We're gonna see if you put in the work. I ended up getting an A in Ms. Williams geometry class, and that's when I realized, like, whoa, like, okay, now I'm I'm thinking about my future, and that's what I realized I loved math. Um, it was always you could, to me, math gave me a way to cheat. Like I could always check my answer. So, so my, my, um, just my love for math came from my grandfather. My grandfather was the most influential man in my life, man. I I never met my biological father. So he instilled, uh, education in us at an early age. And, uh, I ended up becoming, so I still had no plans on, Uh, Being an educator or anything like that, man, all I knew was that um, I had to figure out a way to take care of myself when I got out of high school because my mom had six kids. So it was either the military or it was going to be college, right, because my grandfather pushed college so much. I actually was going the military route. Long story less long, I ended up getting a scholarship to go to college, right, and in... In my first semester, I took pre-calculus, and I got a C. That's the only class I got a C, and I got an A in every other class. So I was mad. Second semester, I took calculus. I was so mad, I got an A in calculus, and I got 100 on the first test. Teacher says, "Uh, Mr. Harris, I need you to stay after class. I said, man, he think I cheated on this test. So he took me, he said, I got somebody I want you to meet. He took me to meet the department chair of math and computer science. So I tell people I got conned into being a math major. Still, I'm going through math major, no plans on being a teacher. People are like, what's your major? Math. Oh, so you smart, huh? Nah, I just like math. So you're going to be a teacher? Nah, they don't get paid enough. I graduated um, college, and, and two weeks before I graduated, I found out my, my old, I had a baby on the way, my first son. And I was working a job as a credit counselor, and I didn't really like it. And somebody suggested trying out this part-time teaching position. I tried it, I enjoyed it. I ended up getting another part-time teaching job. So I was working part-time at two different schools. Um, and, and shoot, 16 years later, I'm in education, man. But I I, I found purpose in it, man. Um, number one, I always like just the love for doing math, helping people do math, understanding math, wanting to be that teacher. That um, I knew other people needed me to be. Um, was your granddad a professional educator? No, my my grandfather was a uh, retired army man. He he. He was just self learned. He was self learned, um, and he he valued education so much because his, so his his mother was black, but his father was white. So they had to go through all the segregation and everything like that. And, and so him and his brothers, what they did was most of them lied about their age. And so they was going into the army and the air. They was going to the military at 16 and 17 years old. So they, he felt like he didn't have the opportunity to get an education. You know what I'm saying? And then, and then yeah. my grandmother, my grandmother got a high school diploma, but that's it. Like she didn't, she was from a little town in North Carolina. So, so I think for him, it was that generation, because education was, was taken from them a lot of times, you know what I'm saying? That generation, when we were coming along, it was like, no, you got the opportunity to get an education for free, and nobody's stopping you from going to K-12, you need to get it. And, and to them in that generation also, the college degree was the ticket to making it. You know what I'm saying?
0: How much, was your, how much has your uh, teaching style, I don't know if you thought about this before, how much of that is reflective to your granddad's teaching style and how he used to teach you and your brothers?
1: That might be the, you might've just asked me the best question yet in, in these uh, podcast interviews. Um, I never thought about that um, um, bec- because my grandfather at the time he was just teaching it as best as he knew, you know what I'm saying? Um, but, but I think the, the real answer to that question was, now that I think about it, it was based on relationship. My grandfather knew, I didn't even know at the time, but my grandfather knew that I didn't know who my biological father was. My grandfather at the time knew that my mother and my two older brother's father were, were now divorced. So so he he's teaching us from an aspect of my mother's the only daughter out of six kids. So here is my three grandsons that their their father, one of them father ain't in his life at all. The other one's father is off in the military, so they he gone. So I gotta be able to spend time with my grandchildren, influence them as a man, but also influence them as an educator. Because you got to think about it. Back in their generation, they had that mindset of education starts at home. You know what I'm saying? So I, yeah. I think it, it it influenced it because he taught us with love. He taught us with thinking about this is this is my namesake. This is this is my my uh, my legacy behind me. So it's very very important that I make sure that they're equipped. So so now when I think about it, I tell the kids all the time, listen my face got to be good in these academic streets so i'm gonna need you to do some work because when you go off to high school and when i taught high school when you go off to mr or mrs such and such class next year they gonna look at your transcript and see you have mr harris and if you in there looking like you ain't you ain't learned nothing they ain't gonna be talking bad about me i need my face good in these academic streets so 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 i teach them i i act like I tell, call the kids really like my nephews and nieces, man. I teach them as if they're my family. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the yeah. good, the bad. I, I've always dealt with the worst kids, man. So so it's like I, I find ways to really relate to them and, and get to know them as more than just their student ID number. This is more than just, uh, I got an imaginary student in my class named Pookie. So this is more than just, pookie that's always getting into fights and always in the principal office and he just known as a knucklehead around campus this is my little nephew pookie and although my little nephew pookie get on my nerves i still gotta love him because he my nephew and i gotta do my best to teach him as many life lessons as i can because sometimes that student may not grow drastically in mathematics but they might grow in their character. I might be that person that gives them that voice of reason. I might be that person that they can open up and share and say, Hey, Mr. Harris, you know what I'm, I'm going through this at home right now. You know, I look all the time man, and over all the years, I see how many kids go in the classroom and the teacher just eight o'clock, eight 30 in the morning fussing at them about a pencil. You fussing at this kid about a pencil. Do you not realize what he probably went through or she probably went through just to be walking through the threshold of this door? And you tripping about a pencil? And and now, so now they're on defense. And they may not want to fight physically, but it's like, now they've mentally put up a block between them and that teacher. And it's just like, I I don't care to learn from you because I don't like you.
0: Now, that's facts. And really, one of my main, uh, and sorry to cut you off, Dana, one of my main uh, influences why I even got to college was one of my educators. Honestly, because I didn't grow up, me and my dad have a phenomenal relationship now, but really, we didn't even, I've seen him probably like once a year growing up. So I didn't have a lot of, or that male figure in my life growing up, just growing up with my mother. Now, her dad was around, uh, both of my grandparents were entrepreneurs, so I got to spend some time with them. But as far as my dad, he wasn't present. So my mom did a good job of putting me around a lot of male educators from, like, school programs. Mm. Uh, so I remember I had Heroes Camp with Pat Magley. I remember I had Boys to with Lars Rasko. And in this particular time in high school, I had uh, my English teacher, which was Professor Sullivan. Mm-hmm. And I ain't gonna stunt because my neither one of my parents went to college. So I was never thinking about college and my mom wasn't trying to prepare me for colleges because she didn't she didn't know anything about that because she didn't go so this professor in particular every day he would always have a quote on the board and when kids would come in the first start of the class he would just get you thinking by just analyzing this quote and then he would just ask us questions about what was going on what about life stuff I'm dealing with if I had a girlfriend and I'm stressing out he would I could just tell he cared So then I ended up becoming like this, uh, his teacher assistant because I'm like, yo, I want to spend as much time around Mr. Sullivan as I can because like, yo, he's really like, first off, he's a a black male that looks cool. He's not corny. He's not a pushover. He's like can stand up for himself. He dresses real nice. He speaks real nice, but he looks like me. So I'm like, I started clinging to him and he used to do these bets all the time. And so again, this is why it's like, as a teacher or an educator, if you could use your influence proper, you don't ever know really how you could change the course of a person's life. So he would do these bets. Like I said, I was never thinking about going to college. I wasn't mm. even thinking about a GPA. I was mm. just doing whatever I had to do to be eligible to play sports. So if that's a 2.0 flat, I'm just getting straight C's. And then that's literally all I'm getting. Told so He me. would be like, I like that facts. <laughs> and he would be like, uh, look, man, what's your favorite restaurant to eat at? I'm like, um... I don't know, BW3s. And he's like, all right, well, ch- check this out. If you can get a 3.5 or better this semester, I will buy you B-dubs for a week straight, and I will personally deliver it to you in the cafeteria every single day.
1: What, what'd you say? Say less. Say what? less. It's on.
0: <laughs> Man, do you know I had made it my 10th grade year. Before that, I wasn't thinking about college. Do you know that by the time I graduated, I got accepted into every college that I applied? I didn't get it denied into one. But I wasn't even thinking about making Dean's List or getting a 3.5 until he started giving us those challenges. And how he would do it was, and he would do it with everybody, if you didn't make the challenge, he would make you carry around this big poster board. And it had a string so it could hang around your neck. But it was a huge poster board, and it had his picture on the front of it. And you had to carry it around school for like a whole week. And basically what it said was, Mr. Sullivan is the best teacher in the world. Please ask me why. And it had a big picture of him smiling on the front of it. And when any person asked you why, you had on the back of the poster, it was a whole page worth of stuff you had to read about why he was the best teacher in the world. And when I tell you, dude, I mean, the, 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 the students that all the other teachers were classifying as bad and, you right. know, the lost hope. He was getting these dudes to get 3.5s. He was getting these dudes to like change their life and really get into college and everything. So it's like, that's what came into my mind as you were saying, using proper influence. Because with that, just challenging students to think different, because like you said, if at home you're not challenging me to think like that, then I'm just gonna really follow the path or the trajectory of whatever is at home. But if Mm -hmm. you can get me to think differently At school, because I'm looking at you as an authority figure and you look like me, Mm -hmm. man, you could change the course of my life. Now I read, I don't know how many books I've read outside of schooling. I I got in my own personal library, I got probably 150 books that I own personally that I just read just to read. I would have never been on that had somebody not showed me like, yo, it could be benefits to operating like this. Exactly. Or getting good grades. And you yeah. ain't corny if you get good grades. You right. won't be not cool. Actually, the people who went to get good grades in college, it's like they might not have been cool in college, but now that they got a nice job, they're the cool ones.
1: <laughs> I tell the story all the time to my students about about the those girls and those guys that, that you know, we talked about, and they weren't so cool. They were square or whatever term you want to put on it but they was focused and i I'm, I'm upset right now because we not having homecoming next month and and you see so many of those people in school that weren't the cool kids but now they were focused and now they balling in their career man and 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 i it's interesting because the day and time that we're living in uh, cuz you you just said a whole lot right there and and, and that influence of a teacher like that but it makes me think about how now or well, well, back when I was in school, man, I had home, my crew, it was four of us, but I had homies that was in the streets. Uh, a lot of my families was hustling and in the streets and things like that, man. And so I was trying to find my identity, but people respected me because they knew that when it came to that school, I was serious about it. I had homies that I had homies that I remember, man, I had some homies that was getting into any and everything. One of my best friends ended up having to drop out of high school because he got into a fight his junior year, and he was already behind a year. But they showed me the utmost respect because they knew I took school serious, man. And, and I think that now that when I look back on it, that was a lesson in leadership at an early age. And so, you know, that 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 relationship with that teacher for you He was putting y'all in, in position of leadership. And even if you had to wear that sign around, you know what I'm saying? Like it it was, it was still, it wasn't embarrassing. You wasn't being put on the spot for nothing bad. You know what I'm saying? I had a a teacher in eighth grade that if you didn't put your name on the paper, Mr. Hennett, man. And Mr. Hennett was like Captain Planet. He was trying to save the world, man. He was recycling before recycling was cool. Mr. Hennett used to have lunch detention and he called it the Who family reunion. And if you didn't have your name on your paper you had to he would go through and he would put them on the board and then he knew who didn't turn in the paper so he would make you sit at the lunch table and then um it was like some people I forgot how he decided but some people had to actually where if you if you could claim your paper you was all right, but if you could not claim your paper, you had to put this paper bag over your head with eyes uh, holes as eyes in it, and, and it was like I'm, I'm the head of the Who family. But Mr. Mr. Hennett did things like that, and it, it was strange at the time, but you think about the impact that people like Mr. Hennett had on you, man. Uh, and so everybody's story was impacted by a teacher in a great way, or a terrible way. Like like they everybody has that teacher that either made them realize like you it changed the trajectory of their life in a positive way, or it was that teacher that told them they wasn't gonna be anything. I hear so many stories of kids that say, Oh well, my, my this grade teacher told me I wasn't gonna amount to nothing. I tell kids all the time, I say, You'll never hear me tell you that you can't you ain't gonna amount to nothing. I said, Now you might hear me tell you Hey, now, if you keep acting like that, you keep behaving like that, you're going to have a hard life. But I refuse to tell a child that they not going to be nothing, that they are going to be a failure. Because I know those words have life. And I don't want to be that person that those words ring in that child's ears for the rest of their life.
0: Facts. Right, so have you ever heard of uh, Echolelia?
1: No, I need to write it down. I believe
0: that I'm spelling that right. I believe it's e c. O-H-I-L-I-A, something close to that. Uh, But it's basically a psychological term, meaning that the words and phrase that's constantly repeated from the outside coming in will eventually be adopted into our belief system, regardless of whether they're true or not, regardless of whether we have contrary evidence to prove it's true or not. The fact of it constantly coming over and over and over and over again, it will just deeply ingrain into our belief system. And before you know it, it will start affecting our behavior. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, uh, like when kids are young, you'll hear parents be like, oh, that's my little fat man, or just something along those lines. And before you know it, a kid grows up with a high predisposition to overeating. And you're like, yo, I don't even know where this is coming from. But a lot of the ideas that are just forced into kids' minds before we're able to distinguish between fact versus fiction reality Mm -hmm. versus imagination Mm -hmm. you know uh thought that just somebody else says versus something that i identify with so in your experience like have you seen the negative effects of just all the ideas that have been put into kids minds
1: oh yes most definitely man
0: um how does it affect them in the classroom
1: it, it, it all it, it affects them so bad in the classroom because if you think about it when you when you start to you you'll see I, what like one of the probably one of the greatest ways that i see this played out is you can tell kids that don't get a lot of attention at home now nowadays they're putting a lot of labels on it and and i used to kind of be like oh man that's just I used to think a lot of it was BS. But I started really understanding how anxiety is real, mental health is real and all that type of stuff. But but to your question, there are kids that will tell you, you know what, look, listen Mr. Harris, I'm going to go ahead and be straight up with you, man. My mom don't, it, she don't spend no time with me. She don't expect me to do this and this and that. You know, she tell me you, you know, you are gonna be just like your daddy, you just like this one and that one, and those negative um, messages that are being given to them. But what's sad about it is that these kids have, they take on this feeling of if my mother or my father or these people that supposed to naturally care about me and love me, if they don't care, there's no way you, as my teacher, could care about what what my success is. You know why? Why do you care so much, Mr. Harris? Because first of all, I believe in you. You know what I'm saying? I understand that although you're being told all of these bad shoot, it, we ain't not even gotta go to the crib. It's a bunch of teachers telling them these kids this telling these kids stuff. Facts. You you see what I'm saying? so so, so now it affects their effort. It affects their self-esteem, it affects their self-concept, it affects their self-identity. I've seen so many kids, right now, even in this COVID situation, I'm blessed and fortunate to be able to do the, the distance learning, but at the same time, I'm torn because those kids that are in those bad situations, they're stuck in that bad situation all the time. You know what I'm saying? My my kids in East Oakland, all over Oakland, that that are in these rough situations, whether it's in the neighborhood or whether it's in the home, that school was their safe haven. So my yeah. school in Oakland is is up in the hills where we got multi million dollar houses around my school. But at the same time, a lot of the kids are shipped in from the flatlands from all over the city of Oakland. You see what I'm saying? So so going to Montero is the, is their like it's their sign of hope. Like if you see the views from where my school is at, it's like you can see views all over the Bay Area, and it's like, well, if if you could, it's kind of like it makes me think about in uh, the Lion King, where Mufasa takes symbol up and he says, he says, "Look, son, this is Pride Rock. This is this is our land." You know what I'm Everything saying?
0: Everything the light touches, yeah.
1: Exactly. So so if you got a kid that's got good messages being put into them even if it's only little by little it's like listen this is the bay area and i remember even myself going up there my uncle used to take us up in the hills and i always wanted a house in the hills when i was a youngster now i'm like ah, i ain't necessarily got to have a house in the hills because of the mudslides and stuff like that but just that little bit of time to be able to get away from the projects or from the hood to go up there and dreams. So that school is their safe haven. So now they're in these situations all day long. And so my heart goes out to them, but at the same time, on the flip side of that, you know, it is there's, I, I want them to be safe. So it's, 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 it's a very, very, it's almost a catch 22, man, but I still do what I can to motivate these kids. Cause they got to understand that regardless of your situation, I tell them all the time, man, I can give you about 10, 20 facts of why I shouldn't be standing in front of you. You know what I'm saying? Um, and they started. But you had brought
0: up a key thing when you had talked about that exposure, how certain kids, cause it's coming from all over different parts of the base. So certain people, when they go home, they're not seeing a million dollar homes. They are not seeing them views No. and all that. So it's like, talk to me about certain things that people can do to make sure their kids do get exposure. Or if, you know, cause again, we can't really control the parents. So as a teacher, what are some things that you could do to, or things that you are doing to ensure that they are exposed to things outside of their neighborhood or just things that they see on the day-to-day basis, or what are some things that can expose them to what's possible for them?
1: One of the things I started doing, man, is, uh, I, I don't know, you familiar with ET the Hip Hop Preacher?
0: Yes, actually, um, i'm working to get him on my podcast man i've actually got a few people in his circle uh Mm -hmm. a guy named anthony flynn which is his ceo coach Uh, i got him coming on the podcast Uh, so i'm trying i'm trying to get et i'm trying to get et i got anthony coming on though that's
1: cool that's major man it is so So, i started showing uh the thank god is monday videos years ago and I have kids still, former students still hit me up like, Mister Harris, who, who was the name of that guy? You know, you used to show us the videos of. So that's one of the first things I started doing because as I was going through my own personal de- personal development journey, I wanted to expose the kids to. So, so you gotta you gotta be authentic with yourself. You know what I'm saying? You gotta be who you really are. The fact that when when I was teaching in in a, in a um, Really, it was a rural district in North Carolina, you know, but the fact that I was going back and forth to California all the time, I exposed them to, you know, different pictures when I was traveling and stuff like that. I'm exposing them to to my world and, and, and the places that I'm traveling, the things that I'm getting access to. And so ET, I brought up ET because that was something that I knew that they could catch on to. And they start seeing his journey. And uh, I remember some years back, man, I ended up, I volunteered at uh, the, um, can't remember the name of the camp, but it was a camp that ET did a couple summers ago. His son uh, 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 is over the camp, right? And so I I was so excited because I had a a quick shot of me in one of the TGIM videos. And the kids couldn't believe it. I didn't tell them ahead of time. I just went in there and showed them the TGIM. They was like, Yo, Mr. Harris, is that you? Like, <laughs> huh? What y'all talking about? In the A's hat? You the only person I know to wear A's hat? <laughs> and, and of course, they saw the beard. But so, so that's a level of exposure. Um, yeah. I, I and I and I think that man, we got the internet, man. We got the internet. We can expose them through the internet. We can expose them through Instagram. I tell them about my, my family. I have an older brother who's a pilot. I have an older brother who has two skateboard companies. I have a younger brother who builds clothes. I mean, makes clothes. I got a younger brother who um, who is a DJ. And, and, and he used to be, he was a football star. So even just in our own life, we can expose them um, to different things. And, and, and what I like about it is I've seen both ends of the spectrum. I've seen rural kids, I've seen urban kids. And people always ask me, well, what's the major difference between teaching in a rural district and an urban district? And I tell them all the time, kids are kids. Because you got kids that that are growing up in cities like Indianapolis, cities like Oakland, who've never been outside of Oakland, who've never been outside of Indianapolis. So the exposure is understanding that now, first of all, schooling and education are totally different you can educate yourself about anything nowadays and if you want to get educated about whatever it is whether nobody in your family went to college nobody in your family ever was an entrepreneur nobody in your family ever uh got a patent and and created this app and things like that right you can educate yourself and so exposure comes like that exposure one of the great ways that i use exposure is with the music man i always tell them all the time i don't like these new rappers and 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 so you know they try to expose me to different rappers and uh, i was a major nipsey fan for years man and uh mr harris listen to such and such and i'm like man y'all know i don't do these young rappers so what i'll do is i'll go through and some of the rappers i remember there was a time uh they would they would ask me about certain rappers right and I would say, nah, I, I tried to listen to it, but that's too much rah-rah craziness. I'll start thinking like I'm 25 again. Um, but I, I exposed them to saying, okay, well, did you know? So I'll go start looking at interviews about these rappers. And so then now we start exposing them to their real life. So I think that that level of exposure comes in different ways. And, and, and you you show them people that come from the bottom, that made it. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? people that have a story and it makes it even better when you have people like this in their local community that made it, you know what I'm saying? We yeah. could expose them to people in our city that are successful because now they put a face that means something. If I, if I show them ET, it may not make sense to them. But if I show them the neighborhood, you know, somebody that's from when I, when I brought my brother, who is a airline pilot and military service pilot? When I brought him into my classroom and, and showed them, this is somebody that's, that's born in Oakland. He from where y'all from? You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, that's tangible now. So, so yeah, exposure comes in many ways, man. And we gotta we gotta expose them at their level of understanding. Facts. <clears throat> And our part,
0: uh, pardon word, parting words, we've got a few more minutes. Um, definitely want to appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. It's been an amazing conversation. I'm proud of everything that you got going on. Uh, teachers, especially Black teachers, man, Black educators are extremely important, man. Uh, it's a shortage of us. And so when I see somebody that's out there doing it, I definitely want to give them all the flowers while they can smell them because kids need them and it's just something about having a black educator where that was my first time when I was in 10th grade ever having a black educator particularly a black male and it's just something about that that really it can just penetrate as opposed to because I mean he was probably telling me stuff that people have been telling me my whole life but something about somebody that looks like me that I deemed as cool right they can it can have so much influence bro so I appreciate everything that you're doing. I also want to encourage have you ever heard of can academy con academy?
1: Yes I'm I'm I I consider him the I I consider him my competition man.
0: (laughs) That's who I actually think of with what you competition
1: man. (laughs) I'm coming for
0: (laughs) his You definitely should, bro, man. Really, what I would encourage, man, especially with this whole virtual thing going on and uh, the e-learning being pushed on parents and parents ain't going through math since they last time they were in school. Uh, a simple made easy program to help parents who got kids who they're in charge of teaching all this stuff to their kids now a quick little package or a quick little thing of videos or something like that, that could make it make sense to them. So now when they checking their kids' homework, they not, you know, allowing their kids to get an F because they don't know how to check their homework and all this right. stuff. So they just letting their kid turn in, whatever, like something like that. I definitely feel like you could monetize on bro. Because It's, it's, it's a great work. need. It's in, okay, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's in the works, man, because I, I want uh, my, my company slogan is the solution to your math problem, but I want kids as well as parents to have solutions, man, so that they can not just survive in this math stuff, but they can thrive in it, man. That's the, I believe that they all can thrive in it, but we got to expose them to, to the tools. We got to give them tools to their toolbox so that they can thrive. Facts.
0: All right. So let the people know where they can find you, where they can find uh, your different material, your social media platforms, your YouTube channel, uh, and then how they can book uh, consultations with you for tutoring.
1: Um, So on Instagram, Young Gurus, actually Young Gurus, Y-O-U-N-G, G-U-R-U-S underscore math tutoring. Um, On Facebook, I have a business page, Young Gurus Math Tutoring my youtube channel is uh youtube.com forward slash young gurus math tutoring uh so so on basically all platforms young gurus math tutoring but on instagram it's it's got a underscore between it um a website www.younggurusmathtutoring.com uh shoot me a dm uh send me send me a message or whatever man i i'm 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 hustling this math, man. I'm, I'm, I'm moving it everywhere. As long as I, look, if I got the time to put it in, they can get this math work.
0: Yeah. Nah, facts, bro. Shoot, you need to get, the, again, that hashtag, get that on the T-shirt, on your videos, Hustling mathematics. have that as like a banner or something like that. Or right. something that'd be on like the little whiteboard. So I'm I, telling you, you know, that got I'm a ring to it, bro.
1: I'm about to my sign next week. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to put hustling Mathematics on, on the sign next week, man. We're going to change it up this week.
0: well Dana I definitely appreciate you being a rising tide I'm also going to put a link uh, when this video drop I'm going to put in the description all the different links uh, his YouTube channel his website his Instagram his Facebook ways that he can be contacted by the people so again I appreciate you for being a rising tide man and let's definitely stay in contact
1: brother most definitely will man I appreciate you as well Chris Keep doing what you're doing, man. Let's 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 make this thing happen, man. We're going we to make an impact. One one podcast at a time, one IG post at a time. We're going to make it happen, man.
0: Facts, facts. Well, you have a prosperous day, and I'm going to uh, shoot my number to you uh, in a DM
1: on Instagram, brother. Most definitely, bro. We'll talk soon. All right, man. Peace. Peace. Later.